Today's podcast is brought to you by IQ Air. Founded in 1963, IQ Air are the world's leading air quality experts. Indoor air pollution can be up to 100 times worse than outdoor air pollution due to cooking fumes, cleaning chemicals, and off-gassing from home furnishings. AirVisual Pro uses professional-grade sensors, AI smart technology, and a user-friendly interface to provide real-time, hyper-local measurements of common indoor air pollutants like PM2.5 and CO2. AirVisual Pro measures your air quality readings to give you personalized alerts and tips to help you reduce your pollution exposure. See the big picture by comparing your own air quality side-by-side to data from a growing database of over 60,000 sensors worldwide and analyze your local pollution patterns with 72-hour historical and forecast data. With smart home integration, you can connect your AirVisual Pro to your home HVAC system and activate whole house filtration systems such as the IQ Air Perfect 16 for a truly pollutant-free smart home. Don't forget to download the AirVisual smartphone app, the number one air quality app worldwide, trusted by millions. Go to www.iqair.com forward slash podcast or call at 800-500-4AIR to learn more. That's www.iqair.com forward slash podcast or call 1-800-500-4247. IQ Air, first in air quality. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Welcome to the Building Science To the Building Science Podcast. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Bringing the human factor to architecture and design. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas. I'm Christopher Owen here as always with my producer, friend and co-host. Hey everyone, Miguel here. That's Miguel. Wow, uh, what a year it's been. As we record this, it's, uh, what is today? Uh, something, someday in December. It's like it's been a busy mid one. to late December and uh, probably like a lot of you, we are experiencing that strange sort of time distortion and logistical load increase that happens around this time of year. It's the season of, of simultaneous and paradoxical deadlines by the same clients that are throwing Christmas parties <laughs> that you're invited to. So how do you manage that? I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, so it's been a big year, and Miguel and I actually just have some thoughts we'd like to share with you today, and uh, we're going to structure this around looking back and looking forward. So first, looking back, um, one of the things I'd like to say looking back is thank you. Um, just immense gratitude for the reception we're getting to the podcast and to the underlying messaging, which is really fundamentally that the lens of building science uh, is broader than it's been made out to be, you know, in the sense that the sciences don't just include the physical sciences, they include the social sciences, psychology, for instance, you know, how do we uh, find leverage points in systems that are undergoing change? This is our fifth season. Can you believe that? That's People still, y'all are still listening, and I don't understand 
quite why, but I guess we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, and I guess as listeners, you might not realize this, but you are not alone. There are tens of tens of thousands of listeners, and they are all around the world. Europe, Asia. Uh, we had some in Africa, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The Saudi Arabia, yes. So, you know, besides the thanks, it's really been in, uh, quite a year, both internally and externally. Let's start with externally. Yeah. A couple of big things externally um, within the realm of the A in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry, the AEC industry. The AIA passed a resolution this year that changed the architect's definition of design excellence to include performance outcomes. Many performance outcomes, actually. Many, yes. And there's been, we did a podcast on this That's right. last year. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, it used to be called the Coat Top 10 Toolkit. And now it's referred to as the AIA uh, Measures of Design Excellence. So, And COAT in that sentence was C-O-T-E, and it stands for Committee on the Environment. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, please go back and do it. It's a, it's a great one. Yeah, I mean, it, it does remain to be seen exactly what the impact of this is, but it's certainly a very, very powerful gesture um, by the industry. Ah, it's more than a gesture, isn't it? Oh, it's a monumental shift. It's pretty crunchy. Yeah. Yeah. And the shift is toward outcome focus, which which is something that we'll be talking about when we go looking forward. Yeah, and this this resolution, it, it was the resolution for immediate and sustained climate action on the part of architects. And what's so great about that is it, it recognizes the profound impact that architects and other um, AEC professionals have on the energy use that our human species uh, is responsible for. It's the pollution caused by buildings is immense, and we're recognizing that we need to take the reins uh, and lead by example. And so, as I'm sure you've seen on, on this very show, we've moved the conversation away from operational energy as sort of the center, central focus of our our topics, and we're talking about embodied energy as well. Uh, particularly the last few episodes that you listened to, we got a lot of really great feedback on that. And this is a, a topic that's both, um, you know, there, we understand a, a pretty decent amount about, and it is also one that is emerging and will continue to change just like any scientific topic does. And we'll be there uh, on the, the front lines reporting to you what we what we know about it and how to, how to make sense of it. Uh, on both a design and construction and sort of conceptual level. You know, and as I'm looking back at this year, uh, sort of thinking about our, the narrative arc of our, our episodes, we, we have this wonderful relationship, at least I, I hope that you perceive it, uh, where we, we want to hold the balance of crunchy technical topics and get into subject matter expertise at a very technical level. And we also want to maintain this broader perspective of of uh, what buildings do on the planet. You know, we're starting to look at carbon. We're starting to look at health. We're starting to look at the process by which homes and, and buildings are delivered to society. And this stuff's really important. And not easy, right? And in fact, um, those of you who've been listening a long time know that I have some background in, in university physics labs, um, postgraduate stuff. And, you know, we would solve all kinds of fourth-order vector calculus perturbational analyses and you know, we can do that as a race of beings. We've got these amazing intellects. But all of you listening, we are in fact stakeholders and problem solvers when it comes to realizing the upside potential in our homes mm-hmm. and buildings. And here's an interesting little twist. I haven't talked to you about this, Miguel. 
So we interviewed Z Smith and Kelsey Watilla, and they were saying, like, you know, that the, there's this immense power and this immense responsibility that architects and engineers have mm-hmm. because we're like frontline decision makers. We sit across this, I was gonna say street, sit across mm-hmm. the table from owners and developers. So I was at the Passive House Conference in D.C. last week, and I was talking to Tim McDonald, who we will have on the show, meant to last year. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. You're awesome. And I told him that, and he was like, well, that's just wrong. And I was like, okay, tell me about that. Why is that just wrong? And he said, it's all about regulation. You know, like, really what's going to shift the owners and developers is the code, right? Code is, is really what makes a big difference. You know, and... I hear him. I really do. There's not nothing there. And in fact, there's a lot there that I would love to see code looking at embodied energy like like California's new code is. But at the same time, code doesn't currently go there. But what can go there currently in a nimble, you know, very thoughtful and surgical way are the ideas that come across the table from architects and engineers to the owners. That's right. And some of those ideas are, wouldn't you love your building to last a long time? And wouldn't you love your building to really um, be a a low energy using building and uh, help the people inside it thrive and things like that? And I think generally speaking, what we, we as an industry and we as a society right now, we're a little more focused on what's wrong and, you know, be afraid and guilt maybe, shame, no, we've screwed up and, you know, we've squandered the earth's resources or whatever, or we are in the process of squandering them. When in fact, you can look at the exact same situation and say, like, look at the upside potential. Look Look at the opportunity. Look where we can go. So whether we need to wait for codes or whether we need to just up our game in terms of understanding the stakes and understanding how to communicate. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think they need to actually progress side by side. And, you know, when you do widen the lens and you look at building science through the level of of technical uh, proficiency, doing things really well, and also understanding the context in which those processes happen, that's when we really start seeing meaningful outcomes. We've seen locally uh, in the last 10 years, the market transform dramatically, right? I mean, there are performance outcomes that we're seeing as a, a matter of practice these days that were almost unthinkable 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating psychologically how there's constantly this this excitement on look how far we've come and this kind of disheartenment on look how far we have to go. Well, we've, we've passed a threshold and, and that threshold is, is sort of, you know, we're recognizing that it's it's showtime. We're we're getting down to brass tacks when we think about carbon uh, in buildings. And what's that Leonard Cohen quote, Christoph? There's a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets in. Uh, that's where we are, right? We're starting to see our own blind spots as an industry, as uh, professionals, and that's really important and really hard work. Yeah. There's no easy silver bullet answer. It is. Uh, really digging into a lot of different facets of understanding how and what we do and engaging you know, with the idea that, yeah, stuff hasn't been done the best in the past, but that's not representative of who we are, right? We're, we have a profound opportunity to make positive impact moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, it's not like there's some evil actor insidiously you know, holding the industry back just so they can make profit. It's, it's people... You know, kind of logically looking at their bottom lines. But as as <laughs> as advocates of science, as as practitioners of building science, you know, we hold the idea that we should constantly question 
our assumptions about what happens. So we look at evidence and we look that at how they science. play out. Yeah. Exactly right. And so that's you know that's really the perspective that we hold on this show. So regardless of what the you know external factors that have brought us to this situation, we can use the tools that we have. We can use the scientific method to move things forward. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of forward, so looking forward, right? Looking forward this year, um, some of the emerging themes that have become clear to me. Uh, in fact, let me take an interjection here. So today I happened to get a phone call from a good friend and colleague, Robert Bean. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. Shout out to him up in Canada there. And I said, oh, we're going to be doing this podcast this afternoon talking about looking back, looking forward. What kind of shifts have you seen over the last year? Right. So this is a very active consultant, engineer, public speaker, deep thinker. You may remember our crossover episode with their podcast, The uh, Edifice. Edifice Complex. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a fantastic show, by the way. I listen to every single one, and I couldn't recommend it more. Funny, deep, um, yeah, and some really, really great guests, and it gives that UK perspective. Um, so what he said was that we've opened the door this year. He feels like the door is open. And, and you know, fundamentally what that means is like there's a lot of new topics on the table for discussion, things like embodied carbon and things like refrigerants and we'll talk about those going forward but he's seeing much more receptivity to his messages and his fundamental message has always been around human health human comfort uh, exergy and energy fluency fluency yeah, yeah. fluency yeah right. exactly yeah he's he, his his um like clinical analysis is that something like that mankind is not acting up to its full intellectual capacity when it comes to how we use resources and energy, that there's some sort of global illiteracy around you know, what it means to use energy uh, wisely. Um, and what was it he said today? It's kind of like we're in this, the you know, don't see, don't hear, and don't talk about the problems mode, but that is ending, right? So there's a crack and the light yeah. is coming in. Um, so some of the themes that, that came to mind for Miguel and I were some big ones, right? And to put it in the two, be, actually to put it into one, mm -hmm. one theme is focusing on outcomes, right? So keep in mind, this is a science podcast and it's the industry that designs and delivers homes and focusing on outcomes means a lot. It means focusing on health outcomes focusing on durability outcomes, focusing on resource outcomes, energy flows, embodied carbon, environmental justice, social justice, right? It, it then leads to focusing on the process that gets you the outcomes. So please keep that in mind, right? If you have any time to reflect over the holidays or whenever you're listening to this, just think about what it is you do in your day-to-day -day activity, whatever your role is, that can be supported by focusing on outcomes, right? You maybe want to rethink it. What does it mean to get a good outcome? Absolutely. And one thing that I, I really hold dear and I, I spoke to earlier is the fact that this show can maintain a sense of balance between industry perspective and technical expertise. And when we select folks to interview, that is very much something that we're, we're cognizant of. We want to make sure that we bring in subject matter experts on both sides of that equation um, so that you can get the perspective that, that many of you have written us and say that you appreciate so much, that our show represents sort of a different 
kind of, of program to really engage in critical conversation around buildings and, and what they mean. Yeah, so, so getting you know, digging into that a little bit, technical expertise versus industry perspective, uh, just to say it one more time, you've heard it over and over, right? Technology is not the constraint, right? As problem solvers, we need to think about what ideas, what words, what sentences are going to help persuade people or, or educate people to the reality of the building industry. You know, it's kind of like um, the idea of being at a salad bar of of not just building materials, but processes, like, you know, the everyone engaging everything early, the whole integrated project delivery. Mm-hmm. Let's not just talk about it. Let's really do it. But imagine there's like a salad bar and people say, could you put some thermal bridging in? How about some uh, high particulate <laughs> counts? I, I'd really like a big air leak, you know, <laughs> around here. And I'd like my windows to leak. And well, it's kind of interesting. I, I was just listening to, so um, every, every now and then I'll listen to Sam Harris's podcast uh, hmm. called Making Sense. And, and they just did one with... Uh, Donald Hoffman, who's an evolutionary game theorist, and he was talking about the fact that we don't see reality accurately is actually uh, you can you can look at that from an evolutionary perspective and understand that it doesn't necessarily benefit any given species to see reality uh, accurately. The fitness payoffs, you know, of of eating a certain type of food or moving in a certain direction has very little to do with your ability to see things as they really are. And in fact, there are certain advantages from seeing things through a highly filtered lens because you're taking in less data that you have to process in order to survive and move forward. So it's important to keep that perspective in mind. We come from a place where these forces are at play and if we want to actually undo you know what's been problematic about that it requires us to really kind of unpack that filter to take that that filter off our lens so you're not advocating for a closed mind of course not no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was in uh on a think tank for the actually for the marine corps years ago and uh one of the guys there said yeah closed mind keeps the disinformation out (laughs) and uh the, one of the other professors that was on it, one of the professors that was on it said, well, it also keeps the information out as well. <laughs> but um, so what's going with that, that salad bar idea is that there are ingredients that get baked into, or not baked into, there are ingredients in the salad bar of buildings that get put into every salad that we don't want, that we would not ask for, right? Like, how did we get into this mm. getting outcomes that we don't want? Like, no one would say, I'd like poor air quality, I'd like to use regressive systems that burn fuels instead of run heat pumps, you know, all these little things, air leaks, materials. But the funny thing is, or interesting thing, we're at a place in the industry now where people are starting to recognize that, that's getting put on the table. And what's surprising to me is that our clients basically pay extra to not get air leaks, to not mm-hmm. get these negative things, right? Like, wait a minute, why are they in there to begin with? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's something like what you're saying from from that evolutionary perspective. It's just that we've gradually made decisions that have moved our building functionality a certain direction, not really noticing it, right? Yeah. So you're not noticing that when you build to energy code in a humid climate, you increase the occurrence of high humidity levels mm-hmm. and that damp buildings and health have a negative correlation, right? I mean, meaning that more damp, less health. Getting a little technical for a few minutes, right? Some of the things that I would like you guys to tune your radar for looking forward in 2020, um, refrigerants. 
refrigerants are a huge deal. They are one of the largest global warming potential. Actually, in the book Drawdown, mm -hmm. they are the number one impact on global warming. We happen to be, those of you listening, we happen to be in the industry that specifies most of the refrigerant systems, right? So that's the refrigerator as one. <laughs> oh, and we just did a... Did we release the thing on heat pumps yet? Yeah, we, have, we just put out a great blog post on heat pumps. If you've ever been curious about demystifying that topic, it's a, it's a solid one. It's on our website. Go check it out. Maybe we can link to that. But the point is, it's, it's really about reducing the refrigerant volumes. Because how many of you own a house or a car where at one point or another, the AC died and you had to have it recharged or repaired and recharged? Well, guess what? That refrigerant didn't just disappear, it leaked out. And every pound of it that leaked out was thousands of pounds worth of CO2 equivalent mm -hmm. in the atmosphere. So refrigerants, just doing the simple thing of switching to hydronic-based distribution systems, which we're offering now, uh, Positive Energy is, we're getting a few early adopters, uh, mainly for aesthetics, actually, because you can get radiant systems and you can get trench convectors in front of windows and things like that. But you also get a much lower volume refrigerant circuit. Hundreds of pounds less. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So, and if the, so if there are leaks, much less leak out. And then those same systems are also the ones, like in Europe and Asia, you can get R290, which is propane-based systems, which is a natural uh, refrigerant, CO2, um, ammonia, that I know of, CO2 only heats and there's no commercial ammonia-based system currently. But these are things to keep track of, and we're definitely going to be talking about this. Hopefully very early in the year we'll do an episode on refrigerants. Yeah, we, we did one this last year uh, with John Miles called In-Game Refrigerants. So if you want a primer for the continued discussion, that's a really solid place to start. You may have to listen to it a few times. There are a few acronyms in that one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So moving on from refrigerants... Good old heat pumps, right? We talked about VRF as becoming the new industry mainstream. We've done several episodes on, on VRF. We're happy to say that that's one of the perspectives. VRF locally here in Austin, it used to be kind of cuckoo and forward-looking, and now it's pretty much mainstream. It's very normal. Yeah. Uh, heat pump water heaters, another big shift. The latest generation, I think the Gen 4 of the Rheem Prestige Pro water heater. Fantastic. You're welcome, Rheem, for that, <laughs> for that plug. Um, the sand and systems work very well, and we will definitely be looking more broadly at heat pump water heaters going forward. Hoping to go to Ish this year in Germany, I think it is, in the May. It's, the, it's like the ASHRAE uh, AHR Expo, but European style. Couple thing, a couple other ideas that are really looking forward are going to be a big deal are embodied carbon, right? We've already talked about that a little. Expect a lot more to come. Um, it's very clear that a lot of people in the industry are just getting started on that and are very interested in this topic. And it's a game changer. I mean, it's a, it's a whole new perspective. Beyond embodied carbon, I think a lot of people are really starting to focus in on rethinking the process of construction, you know, both the information flow and how do teams structure their contracts how do they structure their deliverables how do they work together good old McLeany curve yeah 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 the, so the, the uh, integrated project delivery idea I think it's really starting to happen and interestingly it's, it's starting to happen by having leveraging um, people like Bensonwood you know with their unity homes 
Hey, Ted. Hey, Ted, with their panelized systems. And recognizing that, okay, so, that, so that's really good. Now you've, you've delivered the enclosure to the job site in a, in a manner where it was very well known up front. So you've streamlined the construction process. Let's add the mechanical system design to that at the front end. So you delivering the whole house and all its systems to the job site in a very efficient manner. That's kind of like the emerging next frontier. Yeah, so there's, there's actually so many topics, and I can imagine those of you listening would probably not enjoy listening to a long sprawl. Uh, send comments to the show notes if you actually would have liked to listen to that here. I'm going to focus on just a couple. One is I'm just back from the Passive House Conference. The keynote address by Jeremy Rifkin was just phenomenal. We'll link to uh, some YouTube versions of that talk in the... Now, didn't he give a TED Talk that we can link In the to? show notes. It, it might have been a TED Talk. He, he's just a phenomenal speaker. He, speaker. He's an economist who's been behind um, Germany's deep uh, entrance into the renewables. He's talking about the third industrial revolution. Definitely a huge topic. I'm not going to try to touch on it here. But the Passive House Conference was where I was going with that. The vitality of the Passive House Conference, just the conference size itself, you know, I've been going since 2011, I think. It's just tremendous. Uh, what a great group of truly motivated people. I mean, the, the sense of mission and purpose and vision is, and human caring, we've talked about that. It's really what moves people forward. But what a, one of the big things that's happening in Passive House that, that um, a good friend of ours who's actually been on the podcast, Keith Simon, brought up was what he referred to as the multifamily irony. And it has to do with the rapid and powerful adoption thanks to people like Hank Keating who was also on the podcast for, for, for passive house uh, standards being used in, in um, affordable housing and so the irony is let's say you have a high-end luxury condo complex next to a you know, affordable housing passive house complex which occupants have better thermal comfort, right? Mm -hmm. The passive house people. You know, which occupants have better indoor air quality? The passive house people. Which building owners have a lower long-term cost of ownership and less durability? The passive house people. So, you know, to the extent that we have developers not really recognizing and, you know, and, and buyers not asking developers to recognize these shortcomings in the way they deliver conditioned space to affluent buyers, it's just funny irony. That's right. <laughs> so that's one. And then just getting back to the embodied carbon thing, and we just did a little uh, blog post on that. I really encourage you to look at that and, and let us know your thoughts on, you know, have we reached peak spray foam? But whether we've reached it or not, it's super clear. We are, we are rethinking enclosures from different lenses, right? You know, sp spray foam went in because it solved a lot of problems at the time. It's economically wonderful. It's a product-centric, quote-unquote, fix. But it is emblematic of a shift or a rethinking, a willingness to shift and rethink enclosures generally. So more and more project teams understand the difference between climates and how their different appropriate enclosure systems need to be done there. Continuous insulation, good old simple CI is becoming much more mainstream. Um, I've seen the good folks at RDH, uh, John Straub and others talking about their assemblies. Michael Kramer um, talking about cladding clips. Hey, Michael. It's really, yes. <laughs> I haven't had him on the show yet, but it really is impressive how uh, we as an industry are in fact constantly upping our game and constantly willing to rethink it. And I just couldn't be 
more grateful to you guys as listeners and I couldn't be more grateful as a person to be in the industry that I'm in with with a tremendous group of colleagues, the architects, the builders. We are really excited, I can just feel it as a group, to, to, to be challenged by by climate change. Yeah, COP25 happened this mm-hmm, year, or is right. happening in, in Madrid. Right? That, again, big sprawling topic, but we are involved in a very important topic as far as global society on this podcast. So never ye think this is just nerding out about buildings. It's way more than that. And, you know, we were really touched this last year. Um, you may have noticed that there wasn't much... You may have noticed that there weren't episodes that happened uh, from July to September. And many of you reached out and actually said, hey, is the podcast still happening? We really hope you don't cancel this. We were not canceling at all. Uh, Positive Energy as a company, you know, the, the company that makes this show possible, underwent a very rapid growth spurt. I think in the last nine months, we, we outgrew our old office. So yeah. we, we had to buy a new one and we remodeled that building and then we moved our office into it and we more than doubled our staff and we also expanded our service offerings. So it's been a crazy year of growth for us and there was just simply not time for us to do what we needed to do to make this show happen for those couple of months. But we got back on it as soon as we could, and we have some great interviews lined up for this next year uh, on that are going to touch on, on all the topics Christoph has, has just mentioned. And frankly, we want to hear from more of you. We like whenever you guys write us. Uh, please sign up for our mailing list. We put out some really great uh, newsletters about blog posts, about different episodes, about conferences we're going to be at. And speaking of that, mark your calendars for May 4th and 5th. Come to Austin, uh, the Humid Climate Conference, which is thrown by the Passive House Austin Group here, is happening for its third uh, biennial iteration, so to speak. And it's looking at this point, from my understanding, like it's going to sell out pretty quick. So uh, get your tickets now. They make great holiday gifts. Follow us on Instagram. We have been having some really fun discussions there. Uh, and please review us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're, we're available on all the platforms. And we want to know what you have to think about us. It helps the show, helps more people see it, and get this important messaging out. So thank you for a wonderful year. We hope you have a restful and reflective holiday. And we look forward to coming back with a lot of really great content in 2020. Yeah. Can't you just feel like he wants to end it right there? <laughs> I was just about to, uh, but something came up. I was realizing we never do this. We, when our podcast, a lot of podcasts I listen to, they're very crunchy about how they end it, you know, with this, please review us, please link to us. That's true. We got to start doing that. Maybe we'll start doing that. And I think it's a, it's a symbol or a, maybe a gesture that comes out of, that this is really all about you and we need to be a little more focused on us. And thinking about the uh, the huge growth we've had as far as clients and business, you know, it cuts both ways. It, it's a lot of strain on our staff here. You're mm-hmm. looking at a lot of really busy, hardworking people. Granted, motivated by the visions or the right. mission, but um, and we wish this podcast was making us rich. Uh, it's unfortunately yeah. not yet. So your, any support you give us goes a really long way. Yeah, and yeah, and those of you that do work with us, and I know a lot of you listeners do work with us. Thank you so much, and. Um, at this point yet, yeah, none of us are going wah-ha-ha-ha all the way to the bank. Every bit of the money, we are plowing it back in. We are hiring new people, digging into new expertise, going to conferences. 
um, organizing conferences. That's right. So we are all about information flow, and we recognize that this precious building science, which is science, all the sciences, not just the physical sciences, but all the sciences aimed at buildings, it's this precious little building science and building science community we are all in, and it's a very powerful place to be in. So on behalf of the Building Science Podcast, happy holidays, and uh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next year.